Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Built for Paymakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of chopchat.com. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, first of all, let me apologize for uh, not getting out this episode on Thursday night. I uh, ran into some technical difficulties and wanted to give you guys a good product. So delayed it until Friday. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. If this is your first time, if you've been rocking with us for a while, uh, we appreciate you tuning back in. Um, but going to be touching on a, a few things, uh, particularly the uh, Mark Krikorian situation uh, with FSU uh, administration. Of course, you know, he left um, the program and then we had some some other things to happen with uh, people entering the transfer portal. And then, of course, FSU has their second scrimmage on Saturday. So I'm uh, going to touch on those things. But before we do that, uh, make sure we shout out our uh, sponsor, um, betonline.ag. Uh, it's finally here, guys. Uh, the top teams in college basketball, uh, Final Four is set. I'm here in North Carolina, uh, Duke in North Carolina, you know, going at it, which is kind of crazy first time. And so the fans here are, are are going crazy. And, of course, you know, I do have some bragging rights, at least uh, when FSU was healthy. They, uh, you know, was able to put Duke away uh, the first time they matched up. But uh, if you're looking to wager on these games or the national championship, head over to betonline.ag on your desktop or your mobile mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. Um, BetOnline remains your number one spot for all updated odds and info, along with player props and new contests throughout the year. Um, BetOnline, where the game starts. So I um, want to go ahead and get into this um, coaching situation. You know, of course, FSU uh, women's coach uh, Sue Samurai also announced that she was going to be uh, retiring. So there is a difference between her and, and Krikorian. You know, she announced she's going to be retiring, which, you know, wasn't really a surprise considering that she you know, took off an entire year to, t- to take her, care of her mom and all that good stuff. <clears throat> and of course they announced um, the new coach. And one of the biggest differences that that you can see is that um, coach uh, Simral was right there the whole time applauding, um, you know, Wyckoff as she got announced uh, as the new women's coach. You know, she attended the ceremony, was in all the pictures, um, doing the war chant, you know, tomahawk, you know, all that good stuff. So, you know, people people just freaking out because both coaches basically left at the same time. You can go ahead and, you know, tuck that away. Um, you know, Coach Simmerall was – that was – that was her choice, you know, and that's what she wanted to do. It was nothing to do really with FSU. Um, it was mostly a personal matter. But moving into the uh, Mark Krikorian situation. So a lot of people, you know, just you know, automatically, you know, just went to the extreme, I believe. Uh, I guess because of his stature, you know, he is he is the best coach in um, women's soccer. 
and arguably the best coach in FSU history. Um, I wrote about, you know, his accomplishments whenever uh, he announced that he was leaving the program earlier this week. I mean, the guy basically, you know, came to FSU and overtook a a North Carolina program that had been running the ACC, uh, similar to the way the FSU ran the ACC when they entered. You know, so of course, you know, you could tell it was not a, an amicable, amicable situation with him the way he announced that he was leaving. So you kind of knew, you know, he was upset about some things, and I, I think he kind of. You know, I don't know. He put in there that, you know, it wasn't money as far as, I guess, him getting paid, you know, but even even though him saying that some people were basically like, are we too broke to keep, you know, Coach Krikorian and, you know, are we are we in that bad of shape and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, the man just told you that, you know, they gave him a generous offer. So, you know, it wasn't about his contract. And we also have to remember um, FSU. Athletic director Michael Alford just began on the job officially January 3rd. And so some people were saying, how could you not have him on the contract? And, you know, I think his last contract expired in 2020. And so, I mean, he's been without a contract even before Michael Alford took the job, you know, got officially got the job in January. So basically, you know, that was kind of, a, I guess, him waiting to see, Maybe who's going to get hired, you know, all this good stuff. And so, you know, when it comes down to it, guys, that is, you know, what he has done for FSU soccer is, I mean, you can't really measure it. I mean, when you become an elite team like that and you're basically basically competing for uh, a national championship every year, I mean, that speaks for itself, you know, full credit to him and what he has accomplished. And, you know, whenever whenever you have a coach that is able to do that, you know, certain certain things come that and, you know, it's, you know, some ego, it's some, you know, and deservedly so. And also certain expectations, you know, it's kind of like, hey, I've done this, this and this. So I feel like, you know, I should be able to get this, this and this. And so whenever you're looking at the entire situation, you know, FSU soccer, you know, I saw, you know, a very small, you know, very small allotment of people on social social media just, you know, going crazy about Gregorian leaving and, you know, talking about, you know, him coming back, you know, what what can we do to bring him back? And, you know, I mean, that's that's just not going to happen, you know. So what you have to look at is. There was probably, you know, some communication or lack of communication as far as like him, him asking for things from the program, because, you know, you had some of the players that came out and, you know, they were like they they stood behind their coach. And I mean, rightfully so, that's their coach. And so what you what you also have to remember, too, is I'm sure whatever conversations he had with his players, you know, it is it is. I'm not saying he's lying or anything like that, but it's going to be, he's going to give it to them in the most favorable light possible because I mean, he is leaving the program, the team. So, you know, as I told some people on social media, you know, the the truth is always usually somewhere in the middle. So I'm sure he probably had a legitimate gripe about one or several things 
whether it's related to, you know, funds for recruiting, whether it's facility upgrades or what have you. And I'm sure FSU unveiling, you know, brand new locker rooms for the football players and, uh, you know, then, you know, all this other stuff uh, with the uh, football only facility. And you got women's soccer, you know, competing for national championships. And FSU is under 500 the last four years. So I can see where, you know, Kikorian would say, man, look, you know, we we over here doing the thing. And football sucks, right? I get it. But at the same time, nobody outside of a very small handful of people, and which are FSU fans, are checking for women's soccer. I can tell you, uh, revenue-wise, they are the fourth highest, I think it is, behind... Uh, basketball, softball, and track. And that's just revenue. We're, we're not talking about profits, and I doubt they're profitable. And I can tell you, I'm one of the few sites at chopchat.com that actually covers women's sports at FSU. So softball, you'll see me writing about them fairly often. Um, you see me writing about um, the soccer team when they won the national championship. And I can tell you, the difference in, in just sheer interest in traffic on a website. Some people may not say this, but I'll tell you. I can write, you know, FSU beat uh, UMass. And that, you know, I'll do a post right after the game, and that post would do significant numbers. And I can tell you, when FSU soccer won the national championship, I wrote something highlighting them winning the championship, and it was... I mean, it didn't even register on the page views side of things. And so, and that's kind of, that's kind of what you're looking at. It's like, okay, I know you're great over there and everything. You, you know, you're one of the highest paid coaches, but at the end of the day, soccer does not move the needle as far as, um, you know, profitability, funds, all that good stuff. Football is the number one thing. And football has been down a while. And football has not had the resources that it has needed to compete at a national ship level because it does cost more money for football than it does soccer. And so, you know, and you can see there is, I think there is not saying that, you know, Michael Alford is going to just throw the other, I don't think he's going to throw the other programs away or anything like that, but I do think he, he is making sure that people understand that football is the number one priority because when football does well, everybody does well. Right. And so, uh, you know, I think that's really clear in, in, in the way he's moving. So, you know, but I get it. If you're upset that, um, you know, Kikorian left, I mean, like I said, you know, there, there is a certain level of respect that you, you have to, you have to give him for what he accomplished. And I don't know what happened, uh, you know, behind closed doors, you know, I don't know if, you know, he was, told something and then the opposite was done that is that is possible and if that happened he he has every right to be upset and pissed off about that um i mean you know because that is a lack of respect toward him so if that happened uh that is absolutely absolutely wrong um i don't know if it did or not but it all comes back down to business and i can give you an example so i work at a community college 
and community colleges are funded on enrollment. So if you have increased enrollment, um, you, you receive more funds from the state. Well, that's how it works in North Carolina, right? So I, I represent the college in a lot of different um, facets, one of them uh, admissions and recruiting. And so we have certain programs that are you know nationally ranked. They're unique. They kind of recruit on, on their own. I don't have to recruit for them. I mean, you know, students seek that program out. Then I have certain programs that everybody, you know, you know, like, you know what uh, automotive technician is. You know what uh, medical sonography is. You know what um, industrial systems maintenance is. If You know, if you're kind of in that, if you're interested in working with your hands, you kind of at least have a general idea of what it is. Right. And so those are programs where I can go out and say, hey, you know, this is a program that we have. You know, you can complete this program in a couple of years. This is how much money you make. You pretty much have a job waiting for you. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Those programs usually do pretty well. Then I have another program. Let's call it inter, uh, integrated computer, um, computer integrated machining or tool and die, which is kind of a, a dinosaur type of program, really. But it still has a lot of uses for manufacturing and things like that. But the thing is, you just have it's so niche that most people don't understand and know what it is. Right. And so this is a program that struggles every year to enroll students. It's not it's not because the program sucks. Uh, actually, I mean, it is like the top uh, computer integrated machining program in the state because they do manual and um, the computer programming part of the CNC part of the program. And you'll have a job waiting for you before you graduate. And you'll pretty much start out making more money than you would with most graduates from a, a, a four-year degree, like a general four-year degree, like, you know, business or whatever. And so I, I talk to the instructors of those programs a lot, you know, they're like Kelvin, you know, what, what can we do? You know, uh, we need, we need more students. Uh, we need you to spend more time, you know, helping us get students in this program. And so I'm responsible for the total new student enrollment at the college, right? So this is how I have to look at it. And it's very similar to the situation at FSU. I have programs that I know are going to draw students. I don't have to do anything. Those, those programs are going to draw. So what I have to do is spend the majority of my time with those programs that are not going to automatically draw students. But if I get the word out there, more than likely, I'm going to get a lion's share of students enrolling in those programs. And then you have machining over here where, you know, I can spend all day, all month, several months recruiting for that program. And it's probably not going to make that big of a difference because there's a very, very, very small amount of students out there that are, that are actively looking for that program. Okay. So here's my dilemma. If I spend all my time recruiting for machining or other programs like machining that I really can't impact um, those programs and I don't spend that time with those programs that I know I can help students get enrolled, what's going to happen overall, the total enrollment at the college is going to, is going to decrease. Okay. And then that's going to fall back on me. So that's kind of a, the similar scenario with Malcolm Alfred. He's like, okay, I know you're, I know you're in a great program. If this is what happened, as far as you know, 
Kikorian being upset that he didn't get something he asked for or resources for the program or whatever. You know, you know, Albert has to look at it and say, hey, I know you're an elite program. You're you're great. But at the same time, you don't really bring in any money to the college. You know, if you go out there and you ask, you know, 10 people uh, when the last time FSU won a national championship, how many could actually tell you? Could you tell could they tell you who FSU beat to win the national championship? Like, you know, when FSU football won the last championship, it was against Auburn. Right. I mean, you're like, man, that's it's a, it's a big difference, man. It's just and when you're looking at it from a business perspective, you know, you have to take out emotions. That's why most people that bet on their favorite team lose big time because they bet with emotions and not from an, a business aspect. So you you have the you know, I feel like you, you know, Kokorian probably has a right to be upset. But at the same time, I think Kokorian has to understand that it don't matter if he left FSU and went to another school, you you know, you're still not going to be a number one priority uh, like football. I, I don't care where he goes. If he goes to another school, you know, he may go and coach professionally. I'm sure he'll he'll have options with whatever he decides to do. You know, so it just, you know, it feels like he, he you know, he, he reached his breaking point and he was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And hey, he's, you know, he, he has every right to do that. Um, but, you know, when, when it comes down to whether FSU soccer is elite or not, I mean, I mean, really, does it really matter if we're being honest? You know, when, like, for instance, more people are interested in, in, in men's basketball than women's soccer. Okay, and so we're talking about rivalries here. FSU basketball has beaten Miami, a rival, one of the biggest rivals, nine consecutive times. And if you talk to a Miami fan and you say, "Man, we, man, we beat y'all nine straight times," that Miami fan don't care. He's like. Mm. Well, we beat y'all, you know, three out of the last four years in football. You know, they'll switch the argument because football is what's important to them. All right. Florida baseball has beaten FSU baseball, what, 18 out of the last 21 times, something crazy like that. Eh, you know, you want to beat them, but it's like, eh, it's not football. Now, if that were football, you know, it would be, you know, it'd be the end of the world. You know, so it's just levels to this stuff. It's just levels to it. And so at the end of the day, those those women, young women that that play, you know, for FSU soccer, they they are they are amazing. They are amazing. And it's just the it's just the nature of the business. You know, for whatever reason, people have deemed certain things, uh, I guess, hold more value than others. Um. For instance, if if women's soccer or women's basketball or women's sports in general was more was were more popular, you would have more websites writing about them because those sports would generate more interest, right? But because they don't really generate interest online, you don't see many websites writing in depth or consistently about them. Not the, not the same way you do with football, and that's just it at the end of the, at the end of the day. So I mean, we can get mad. You know, Kikorian can get mad. Um, 
you know, whomever. But at the end of the day, that's that's just the way it is. You know, football is is king, and when it comes to uh, revenue, and uh, if football is doing well, then you know that's going to help all the other programs at the end of the day. So that's it. Uh, if you're upset that Kokorian, you know, left, hey, I, I'm not mad at you, but I, you can't, but you can't, you can't have the notion of saying you understand the football, you know, is, is, is the, is the thing that drives everything as far as, you know, money goes. And then try to say that, you know, soccer should have this, this, and this when they don't really move the needle either. So that's my take on it. Um, you know, sad that it happened. Um, I'm curious to see who FSU will will get to. Re- re- well, you can't really re- replace Kukorian, but who they'll um, who they'll hire in his place. I know some people think um, the guy at TCU who was an assistant for Kukorian um, and has you know has a good program. You know, he could be an option possibly. So we'll see how that ultimately shakes up. Um, but before um, we go into some other things, let me go ahead and talk about our other sponsor, Athletic Greens. Um, you can reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. Uh, disclaimer, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership over your health, which is something I've been trying to do more recently. Uh, since January, I'm down. Well, I'm not a... I'm not a overweight guy. I'm pretty much in shape, but just been trying to retool my body, you know, shake a little bit of excess fast uh, fat that I had accumulated just because I hadn't gotten lazy with and just wanted to eat whatever I saw. But since January, I've probably dropped about nine or 10 pounds, dropped a couple belt loops, um, but also been lifting and um, trying to maintain or add a little bit of muscle while I'm losing the fat there. So doing a pretty good job with that. But uh, let's talk about the transfer portal. We had a departure from the team with Corey Wren entering the transfer portal right after the first scrimmage, might I add. So with the second scrimmage coming up, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, you know, I thought that was that was kind of telling. And I know a lot of people were like, man, I was expecting things from Corey Wren this year. And I don't know why, really, because he hadn't really seen the field outside of a few kickoff returns. Um, over the last year or two, and I never thought he was a running back. I don't. I still don't know why they had him a running back. I know some people have suggested that he just couldn't catch the ball as a receiver, and maybe that's it. So, I mean, really, you had a guy that had a lot of speed, but really didn't offer anything else. And it, you know, I think he saw the writing on the wall. You got Trayshawn Ward. You got Trey, uh, Trey Benson. You got Lawrence Toafili. You still have DJ Williams, who we haven't heard much at all about. So I'm kind of curious um, how that's going to shake out. I mean, you've actually heard more about the walk-on uh, CJ Campbell than we have DJ Williams. But I think, you know, Corey Wren probably saw that 
uh, that depth chart and was like, yeah, let me go ahead and see if I can't find somewhere else to, um, to get a fresh start and shout out to him, you know, um, you know, you know, it's props to him for, you know, understanding that and, and then making a decision to do what's best for him. So I'm really curious to see who else is going to enter the transfer portal. I have a few guys I'm not going to name, but I could really see them doing so. Uh, if not before the end of spring camp, um, right after spring camp, uh, the summer, um, there's a few upperclassmen who I have not heard a peep out of as far as, you know, just usually you'll hear a name here and there, but there's a few. I'm just like, man, are they even still on the team? I haven't heard anything about them. So I'm curious to see how that's going to shake out, um, which leads us to our um, second scrimmage is going to happen on Saturday. So this one should be more of a, a game like situation um, compared to the scrimmage last week. That was more of a situational thing. So I know uh, Novell said that was uh, the best scrimmage that he's been around since he's been at FSU. And so I'm really curious to see how things are going to go on Saturday. And, uh, you know, it's going to be close to the media. So what we hear afterwards are going to be what, you know, pretty much what they want us to know or hear. And so I'm curious to see what narratives will be formed uh, once, you know, things start leaking about, leaking out about who did well, so forth and so on. But, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be looking to hear more so about, um, the secondary, you know, with the departure of uh, Jarvis Brownlee, I'm curious who's going to nab uh, his spot. I think uh, Amarion Duke Cooper has probably solidified him as, himself as a starter uh, at the boundary position, a boundary corner position. And so you have a, a number of guys fighting for that spot that um, Jarvis Brownlee vacated. And so. Um, you know, Renardo Green, Kevin Knowles, Greedy Vance, um, Azaria Thomas is a guy, a freshman that could, could, you know, step into that role before the season is over. And, uh, you know, even Sam McCall, Sam McCall had two interceptions the other day. I still see Sam McCall more as a safety than I do a corner. Um, but I know they're starting everybody, all those guys out at corner. And then, you know, they may gradually move them to safety. So we'll see how that shakes out. I'm also curious to see if we'll we'll hear more about I, I think Jared Verse is kind of starting to solidify himself on the edge and we I know we have Dennis Briggs on the other side and we we kind of know what Dennis Briggs is going to bring to the table he's still trying to come back from the injury from last year but I'm curious to see if, if we're going to hear a little bit more from um players like um Patrick Payton Derek McClendon, and I said it on Twitter. I said this on Twitter Thursday night. Man, Derek McClendon has I, – I watched his interview the other day, and he seems to have a different mentality than he's had the past year or two. And it seems to me that he has a different set of expectations. Well, I know he has a different set of expectations based on what he was saying in that interview. And I'll tell you guys, uh, as a former athlete, whenever – Whenever your mind, whenever you develop the confidence that you belong at a certain level and that you feel like you're capable of producing at a certain level, that's a that's a game changer. And I feel like that's something that could happen with Derek McClendon. You know, he could be I mean, I know he had four and a half sacks last year, but I feel like, you know, this year could be he could be a sleeper, man. He could be my sleeper for this year to break out. Um 
you know, we'll see. But I'm curious to see what, you know, you know, if his his name continues to pop up, Patrick Payton, uh, Aaron Hester, any of the other uh, defensive ends. Um, I want to see if they flash because that is that is the one question mark really that I have for this year's defense. Of course, you can't replace the production of uh, Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas. Um, I feel like you can offset it a little bit uh, with the linebacker play and and uh, then improved secondary. I think the secondary uh, you got um, uh, Jamie Robinson. You know he's going to be there at safety. Uh, Keem Dent's going to be at safety. And so outside of outside of the, the Brownlee position, I mean, I really think the secondary is kind of solidified. Really, if not solidified, at least you know you have guys that have experience for the most part back there and they're not in the year one aside from the freshman obviously of Adam Fuller's defense and also I know a lot of people are going to be counting you know sacks how many sacks how many sacks does Jerry Verse have how many sacks does Dennis Briggs have or whoever else is coming off the edge but I remember Jim Fisher used to say it all the time you know sacks are not the be-all end-all you know stat to look at Really, it's more so about, you know, how many pressures can you get on a quarterback? So as long as they're getting pressure on a quarterback, you know, they may not get to the quarterback and get the actual sack. I mean, we saw that with Keir Thomas last year. Um, I think he led the team with in quarterback uh, pressures. Um, it, as long as you're getting pressure on a quarterback, you know, making him move in the pocket, making, making him think, you know, that causes him to be, be inaccurate, all sorts of things. So as long as the defensive line can get enough pressure to to you know get the quarterbacks off a of rhythm, you're not necessarily saying they gotta match the sack number that they had last year. I think I think the defense is gonna be fine. Um offensively, I'm still looking to see um the offensive line, how that's gonna shake up. And it's kinda hard to to get a handle on what they're doing with the offensive line because they have so many guys mixing and matching at different positions. Um, after, if they if if they had to name five guys right now that could you know they wanted to go out there and start, I feel like they could do it. Um, and I feel like that five that five starter, excuse me, those five starters would be you know a good group. But it's you know what happens after that five, and so I think that's why they're really spending a lot of time with putting guys in different positions, mixing, and matching, and seeing really what the best best combination is. Um, to try to build some depth, um, you know, moving forward. So they got a lot of time to to improve between now and uh, when the season begins. You know, you got you're, you're basically a couple. You got two more weeks of, of spring camp, and um, then well, not two weeks, another week of spring camp, and then you have uh, fall camp, and then you got all summer in in between there to kind of work on some things and you know get stronger, bigger, faster, all that good stuff. So. Uh, those are the things I'm going to be looking for uh, coming out of spring camp. Who who made some strides? Uh, did they make some strides at tackle? You know, did Lloyd Willis make any strides? Um, you know, did um, Robert Scott? How did he look? Uh, you know, and and things like that. And then who played well in the secondary? And and I'm also curious to see who is going to. Um, shine at running back, and then I'm also curious to see if Tate Rotemaker can continue to make that next step 
uh, in the next scrimmage and, and have another good scrimmage. So especially since this is going to be more game-like, if Tate Rotomaker can, can have another good scrimmage, hey, man, you know, he's still got to do it in the game, obviously, but I think the coaching staff, you know, would feel a whole lot better uh, moving forward. And, you know, based on his performance, you may or may not see them take another guy in the transfer portal quarterback. And and right now, I'm, the way I look at it is if they if they did take a guy from the portal at quarterback, how much use would he really be this year, to be honest? Because he wouldn't come in until the summer. He doesn't know the offense. And how long would it take him to learn the offense? You know, and then, then based on how you know how much eligibility he has left, you know that could kind of you know make things uneasy for you know some guys that are committed or uh, or on the roster. So it's a delicate situation. I don't know right now if it would be worth using a scholarship on a transfer quarterback at this point. Uh, I guess obviously it, de- it depends on who would be available. But right now, unless unless he was a guy that, you know, was proven and there's not any of those guys out there, I don't believe. I just man, you probably just have to pocket that that scholarship and, and maybe use it, use it on another offensive lineman. You know, maybe maybe you can grab two more offensive linemen to have some experience. Um, I think I did see somebody hit the portal from uh, a power five program yesterday. And so you're going to see more of that. You know, this is this is the time. Um, actually it was even later than this when, um, Dylan Gibbons, uh, hit the portal and I don't think he, uh, even committed to FSU until May. And so, you know, the good thing about Gibbons was, you know, his situation was he was experienced and the system he was in at Notre Dame was similar to the system that said FSU. Um, but even still, you know, he mentioned how difficult it was to pick up, um, everything and get acclimated. So, um, that's probably what I would do. Um, if I were the coaching staff, um, you know, possibly, you know, get another um, linebacker if somebody became available. And, um, you know, that's pretty much it. But I feel good about this team, man. I feel, you know, this is the best they've looked, you know, since Mike Novell has been there, even before Mike Novell was there. And, you know, they looked the part. Uh, this is year three. Uh, you know, there shouldn't be any wild hiccups or anything. As far as guys not knowing what to do, um, especially the upperclassmen. And, you know, as long as they can avoid injuries, that is the biggest thing. Injuries at key positions, obviously quarterback, um, offensive line, um, and and defensive line, really. Although, uh, D-tackle, I think they're okay as far as depth. But, you know, I'm going to wait and see, man. I'm, I'm really bullish on this team. You know, I've been saying, you know, seven-ish wins, give or take, you know, somewhere in there. But if you could guarantee me that, you know, the injury bug would stay away, I just don't see any reason why this team wouldn't win seven or eight games. So uh, we'll see how the scrimmage goes on Saturday. But I'm not going to hold you guys much longer than that. Just wanted to um, get this out since I wasn't able to get it out um, to you guys on Thursday night. Um, Again, I appreciate all the support. Um, I appreciate the recent five-star review that I, that I received. So if you have, uh, not had an opportunity to, um, to uh, rate the program on whatever platform that you, um, use, um, please do, um, five-star, um, reviews are welcome. Appreciate those guys and, uh, make sure you subscribe and, uh, turn those notifications on. So, you know, whenever, um, I do drop this. So, 
Uh, until next time, go Nose. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.